If you brought along a Bible this morning, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 3, and we'll actually read the entire chapter together this morning. But I want you to think about a word, and I don't want you to think about it too much because I don't want you to fall asleep, but think about the word rest for just a moment. When you hear that word rest, what what enters your your mind? What, what do you think about? Is it is it getting home at the at the end of a day and maybe changing your clothes, taking your shoes off, and just sliding onto the couch or that most favorite chair and just kind of letting the air out for a minute? All the stress from the the day, just give it a chance to just kind of melt away. Maybe it's enjoying a you know a Dr Pepper, or a Diet Coke, a cup of coffee or something, or bowl of ice cream, you never know, or some way to just just relax. Maybe some of you think it's, when you think about rest, it's climbing into the, the bed at night and, and fluffing up the pillow and just falling off to sleep. But I want us to think this morning of the terms in, in rest, in the idea of the, it's the end of Work and, and labor. It's a term that the Bible uses to describe ultimately God's provision, His protection, His salvation. If we go back to the beginning, to, to creation, God's goal after the six days of work was on the, on the seventh day. There would be a, sev- a day of rest, a day of Sabbath. Israel's goal after they had co- taken the, the promised land was to find rest in the land. And it's that satisfied enjoyment of what God has planned and what God has accomplished. And this morning, as we continue on in the story of Ruth and the story of, of Boaz, what we'll find is that we enter God's rest through faith in Christ. So we pick up our story where we left off last week, wondering hoping, anticipating the, the fact that Boaz will indeed be the, the redeemer of, of Ruth and Naomi, that there will be this romance, this marriage, that there will be a happy ending to our story. And we proceed, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative? With whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself. And put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she, Ruth, came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. 
You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet, there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Father, we thank you this morning that we can turn to your word. We thank you that it has everything that we need for life and godliness. We thank you that it is the bread of life. We thank you that it is the living word. And we thank you that we have the privilege this morning to open up and study the treasure of your word together. And so, Lord, we ask you to give us willing hearts, that you would give us listening ears, that you would tune our hearts to your voice, that you would illuminate your word by your spirit, and that you would teach us this morning what we need to know. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we enter God's rest through faith in Christ. And so along in this story, we've already seen that Ruth has been enormously gracious to Naomi. She took it upon herself to come up with this plan to go out and to glean in the fields and hoping to find favor. And we know that she did find favor in the name of this man, Boaz. And so now in our story, it's Naomi's time to offer some kindness back to Ruth. And she comes up with a plan. And this whole plan is based around finding for Ruth a place to rest. So that's the first point there, a place to rest. And you see in verse 1 that Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Now when she's speaking about rest, ultimately, like I said earlier, the rest that we can all enjoy is found in God. But in this instance, other than those times that it mentions resting in God, resting always meant for a woman a home and a husband, a place of honor, a place of freedom, a place of peace, a place of protection. And her motivation is that it be well with you so that Ruth would be well taken care of, well provided for, that she would enjoy both the security and the benefit of marriage. And so Naomi's plan is to help Ruth find rest through marriage, and hopefully, if things go according to plan, it will be a marriage between Ruth and Boaz. It's a reminder that in our lives, sometimes there's an active, well, there is an active component to our faith. As one man said, God moves 
human history along according to his sovereign plan and desires. Yet it is sometimes we ourselves that actually execute God's plan in our lives. It's those moments where we take a step of faith, where we show an act of obedience. Our faith's just not all passive. We just don't just sit around and wait for God to act upon us. But sometimes we have to take a step forward. When God speaks, gives directions, then we move. When God gives us a plan, we carry it out. Whether we understand it completely or not, we trust it in faith. And so Naomi's plan is laid out for us in these verses. She reminds Ruth that Boaz is going to be at the threshing floor tonight. They'll be out there threshing the wheat. They're going to have it trampled by by animals or they're going to beat it with sticks and then they're going to get winnowing forks and they're going to toss that grain up in the air and allow the evening breeze to blow away the chaff and then they're going to collect those kernels of grain. And by the way, that Boaz, he's he's a relative. He's that kinsman redeemer. And so she turns to Ruth and says, Ruth, you know, you need to prepare yourself, wash, anoint yourself, put on some perfume, put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. Preparations like a a bride would, would make before marriage. Preparations that are symbolic of a change in attitude or a change in disposition. A clear signal to anyone that would be present that... The time of mourning is over for Ruth and she's ready to move forward. She's ready for for marriage. It's very similar to David grieving the loss of a child in 2 Samuel 12, 20. You may remember this. It says, David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. And so Ruth, by her very appearance, would would signal to, to Boaz that she was ready for marriage. And then Naomi very practically says, don't make yourself known until after dinner. Be discreet. You know, you don't want to embarrass. You don't want to discredit. You don't want to dishonor this man, Boaz. But watch carefully and find out where he lies down. Find out where he's going to sleep because there's only one man in that whole barn you're you're looking for and make sure you know where he'll be and then when you find him after he lays down uncover his feet and you lie down symbolic gesture in that the uncovering of the the feet was a request for for marriage and you may be thinking well wait a minute wait a minute why is ruth asking boaz for marriage it was allotted for in the mosaic law that A widow could request marriage of a kinsman redeemer. So she's acting according to the law, a request for marriage. But it's also very practical because we're going to find out in just a few minutes that uncovering his feet causes a change in temperature, which causes Boaz to wake up. And then he says, then Naomi says, he'll tell you what to do. So there's the instructions, you know, get cleaned up, put on some perfume, go down, find out where he's lying, uncover his feet and lie down, and then he's going to tell you what to do. Seems like a strange plan to me. I mean, it's, it's just a, a little, little different, but for you and I, we have to look at it from the ancient perspective and the idea that this is a, a marriage proposal. I don't think it's, it's dictated here of how we should, um, you know, teach young ladies in the 21st century how to go and find a husband, but it was very much in line with the law. It was a request 
specifically to Boaz to be the redeemer. And in that redemption that Ruth would find a home and a husband and hopefully the family name would be redeemed and the property as well. And what Naomi wanted in her heart of hearts was for this daughter that was now her very own, adopted into her family, even though she was not blood relative, she was a relative, she wanted Ruth to marry. And by the act of sending Ruth instead of going herself, Naomi showed that she waived her own prior claims. And by sending her specifically to Boaz, she showed that she wanted Boaz rather than any other kinsman to be the redeemer. Now, you may recognize that this plan is potentially disastrous. You know, there's an element of danger here because we're sending a single widow into a barn full of men in the evening after they've had dinner, they've had some drinks, and they're merry. Now, we have to be careful with that word merry because it does not indicate drunkenness. It just simply means merry. They were excited. It was harvest time. And so her safety and her reputation were at risk. And everything had to go according to plan. This one man and this one woman had to be together in the right spot. She had to lay down in the right place. But Ruth is willing to take the risk. Because she loves and trusts Naomi. She has grown to love and trust Boaz. And ultimately she loves and trusts God. And so Ruth commits herself to this plan. And she says very confidently to her mother-in-law, all that you say, I will do. And we'll see in the story that she does, except with a, a small exception. And so in search of rest, in need of a home, and looking for a husband... Ruth sets out for the threshing floor. And in verses 6 through 13, we find that she receives a promise of rest. A promise of rest. You see, she follows her plan. We have indication of that if we look at verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. She followed the directions just like she was told. After the meal, Boaz has a full belly. He has a merry heart. They've enjoyed this celebration at the time of the harvest. The harvest is in. It's time to rejoice. After the rejoicing, after the celebration, it's time to go to bed. So Boaz, lie down, lays down by a pile of grain and not far behind. After he's settled, Ruth comes and uncovered his feet and lay down. And so here's the, the picture that we, we have. We have Boaz situated by a pile of grain. And we have Ruth, after uncovering the feet, laying down. Placing herself in a, in a position in, in the ancient times of, of humility. Much like a servant would lay at the feet of a master waiting for instructions. And so she uncovers the feet, makes this marriage proposal. And just through the simple moving of of cloth, asks the question, are you willing to be my redeemer? And also let the the wind blow across his feet, cause a little bit of a chill, a little difference in temperature, just enough to, to get his attention and to wake him up. And it's exactly what happens. It says, he's startled and he turns over and he sees 
a woman. Now you can just imagine at this point, he's, he's, it's, it's midnight, it's the middle of the night, and he's awake, and he's trying to figure out what happens, and he just turns and looks, and he's like, who are, who are you? It's dark. Naomi is, or Ruth is, is dressed in a, in a garment, a covering that would, would be very much just like a, you know, a cloak. It would, it would hide her, her, her shape and her, her appearance. Um, we have indication of that because if you think about the story of, of Jacob and, um, and Rachel and, and Leah, how in the world can he confuse one for the other? But under the cover of darkness, under the covering of cloth, here we have in this story, Ruth and Boaz. And Boaz just says, who are you? And you can imagine probably whispered um, voices, not wanting to you know, draw attention or wake the people next to him. But, you know, who are you would be a logical question given the circumstances. And in the second part of verse 9, we have her answer. Ruth says, I am Ruth, your servant. It's interesting. It's not Ruth the Moabite. Earlier, several times, it's Ruth the Moabite. Ruth the Moabite. But now here it is, Ruth, your servant. She feels welcomed in his Present. She feels comfortable in his house and she feels now that she can make a request. And a request is this, spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. Spread your wings over your servant. Do you remember in chapter 2 verse 12 when Boaz is speaking to Ruth and he says, The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This woman who found her refuge in, in the Lord is now seeking this place of rest and refuge in Boaz. Requesting that Boaz cover her, that he be her provision and that he be her protection. Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 8 gives us an indication of this covering in marriage. When it says, when I passed by you and saw again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord, and you became mine. So just as the Lord spreads his garment, spreads his wings over those that trust in him by faith, Ruth is asking Boaz, will you be my husband? Will you be my redeemer? And she knew that if Boaz spread that garment over her, it meant that he was receiving her and acknowledging her as his bride. So not, not long after this, Boaz speaks up and he says, May you be blessed, my daughter. The kindness you are showing is greater than the first. That first act of kindness that Boaz got to experience and to, and to witness was Ruth going out into the field, not thinking of herself, but gleaning to provide for Naomi and to seek favor in behalf of Naomi in this second is that she's now going and seeking a kinsman redeemer. First of all, for Naomi's sake, that she would be selfless and think of Naomi and not herself. But also, Boaz is a bit flattered because he says, you know, this marriage can't be for your own gain because surely you could have gone out and found one of those younger men, whether rich or poor, 
But we have every indication that Boaz is much older. And so he says, this kindness is greater than the first. He says, don't be afraid. He gives her that comfort. And then he says, I will do all that you ask. Now, at this point, you've got to think that Ruth is, she's thinking, oh, my gosh. This is really good. Things are going well. And then he says, everyone in the town knows what type of woman you are. You're a worthy woman. It's the same phrase used in Proverbs 31 to, de- to describe that woman of noble character. I will do what you ask. Because everybody knows what type of woman you are. You're a worthy woman. We hear that word in the book. We hear Boaz was a worthy man and Ruth was a worthy moment. So it's a worthy woman. So it's a good time to, to mention to point out that in this interchange, in this midnight time in the threshing floor, in the barn, there's, there's nothing immoral in the interchange. Now, you can read some things that would, would suggest that there was impropriety or there was um, things that happened between Ruth and Boaz. Um, I would tend to record... Would, would tend to recommend that you place those in the in the category called rubbish um, or trash, um, because I mean that's simply looking at this story with a modern mindset. But we have a worthy man and a worthy woman. And actually, I want to read a quote to you. I found this. It's a man named Samuel Cox, and he wrote this in 1876. So a long time ago. And he said, "If as we read this, we think of Ruth as guilty of immodest boldness." Or Boaz, as in any way lacking in manly honor and virtue, that can, on, that can only be because we judge the ancient worthies, these worthy folks, by the standard of modern conventions. Or because we ourselves are wanting in true delicacy and refinement. So he says it's either your personal problem or you've allowed the... Um, the, the modern conventions of society to affect your thinking because even though this plan was risky, it was daring, nothing inappropriate happens. But we do have a bit of a twist, a bit of excitement in the story because Boaz says, I am a redeemer, but. He's always those buts, right? And you're thinking, oh, what's the trouble? What's the problem? But there is a redeemer nearer than I. And at this point in the story, it's a test of the character of Boaz. Boaz could have very simply manipulated situations on his behalf or he could have kept it quiet. He could have just said, I'm a redeemer and I'll take care of it and not mention the other. But no, he says very nobly, there's a redeemer nearer than I. And so there's these two barriers that Boaz has to overcome. First, the age barrier, because he's likely older than Ruth. Second, there's a a nearer kinsman. There's a closer relative who should be the redeemer. But Boaz is not stopped. He's qualified, he's committed, and he's determined to see things through. And so he tells Ruth, remain here tonight, and in the morning I'll take care of things. If the other Redeemer will redeem you, fine, let him do it. If he's not willing, as the Lord lives, we shouldn't overlook that because that's a a solemn, serious vow. As the Lord lives... You know, I'm putting my reputation, my life on the stake. I will redeem you. 
And so what's Boaz's main concern here? It's not, you know, to find romance. It's not to, to find a wife. His main concern is that Ruth is taken care of and that Ruth is redeemed. And he assures Ruth that he'll take care of things in the morning. Whether it's Boaz that redeems or the other kinsmen, the matter will be settled. And so he says to Boaz in these phrases, in these verses, remain tonight and lie down until the morning. So Ruth goes there in search of rest. She proposes to Boaz. Boaz gives his assurance that he'll take care of things. Remain tonight and lie down until the morning. Reminds me of those situations where it's the end of the day and there's only, the only thing you can do is, is go to sleep. And sometimes we're able to lay down and sleep knowing that God has got everything and it's all in His hands. But then there's those other times when it's wonder, worry, tossing, and turning. But either way, it involved waiting. Waiting to see what the resolution would be. And so the third thing here in verses 14 through 18 we have is the wait for rest. We know because the story tells us that Ruth remains at Boaz's feet throughout the night. She gets up early in the morning before anyone should notice. Boaz gives some instruction in verse 14. No one must know that a woman was here tonight. Again, an honorable man. Protection of Ruth's Reputation, privacy for this upcoming transaction of this kinsman redeemer until the time that he would make it public in chapter 4. He didn't want there to be any hint of impropriety and he didn't want to, he wanted to take steps necessary to make sure that he didn't feed the rumor mill. Where the town talk would be, well, I saw Ruth walking out from the barn last night. What do you think? And so he takes these steps to ensure protection and privacy. And then he does something interesting. He tells Ruth to take out her shawl or her garment and he takes and measures six measures of barley. Scoops them into her garment and sends her down the road. Some people have suggested it may have been a a cover for, for Ruth. Something, you know, an excuse where she could say, well, I've been out gathering grain. But I think it has a deeper significance that we'll see in just a second. And so the verse 15 tells us that she went into the city. So she heads home. She arrives back at the house with Naomi. And Naomi is waiting. She's probably sitting in the kitchen, probably drinking a cup of coffee. Not really, but she's waiting. And the question, how did it fare for you, my daughter? Literally, it says, who are you, my daughter? And as one person suggested, the question that is just in her mind, she wants to know, are you still Ruth the Moabitess? Are you now the prospective Mrs. Boaz? And so with excitement and anticipation, she sits down and says, how did it go, my daughter? And what does Ruth do? Ruth gives her a full report. Verse 16, then she told her all that the man had done for her. And Ivy says, she told her everything. She had nothing to hide. 
There was no impropriety. She did nothing out of the ordinary. She did nothing immoral. So she had nothing to hide. She just laid it out before her. And so Ruth tells Naomi all that Boaz did and all that he said, all the actions, all the aspects of the conversation, the fact that he showed her kindness and made promises. And then in verse 17, she points out these six measures of barley. Boaz gave them to me, wrapped them in my garment. But then he told me, you must not go back empty handed to your mother-in-law. See, it was more than just a a cover. It was a, a symbol, a sign, a blessing to Naomi. It was a sign of the change that was taking place in her life that this woman that came to Bethlehem empty was now being filled. But also, I think we can see without stretching it too far, too far a deeper significance and an indicator that there's this transition from labor to rest. Remember earlier we talked about creation, six days of creation. And on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. Six days you shall labor and the seventh is the Lord's. That this seventh day was a day of rest. So six measures of barley from Boaz to Naomi symbolizing that the labor, the work was done and that rest was coming. And Naomi tells Ruth, wait, my daughter. That word wait literally means to sit down, to dwell, to inhabit to endure, to abide, to stay, or to remain. I like the way the New Living Translation translates this. It says, just be patient until we hear what happens. Waiting can be difficult for us because we are woefully impatient. We want the Lord to do things much more quickly than His timetable is most of the time. And Elizabeth Elliot, who knows what it means to be a grieving widow who lost her son, her husband, Jim, tragically in Ecuador, wrote this about waiting. Waiting on God requires the willingness to bear uncertainty, to carry within oneself the unanswered question, lifting the heart to God about it whenever it intrudes upon one's Thoughts. Bearing uncertainty, carrying unanswered questions. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Uncertainty, unanswered questions. But the key that she says there is to lift our hearts to God about it whenever it intrudes upon our thoughts. Take it to the Lord. In prayer. And so Naomi encourages Ruth to wait patiently, but wait with assurance that this man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Rest assured, be patient, my daughter. This man, Boaz, won't stop until this matter is settled. Speaking about rest, R.A. Tori said, Not so in haste, my heart. Have faith in God and wait. 
although he seems to linger long, he never comes to late. And in this time of waiting, it's a test of our faith. We have to learn to wait and then we have to learn what to do while we wait. And let me just give you, you know, three things while you're waiting. Keep praying. Keep going. Don't stop and trust that God is working while you wait. Just because God is silent does not indicate that he is not working. And because he is working in our waiting that we should keep going and we should keep praying. Now, as we draw this to a close, I hope you've seen through the picture of this book that every time we see this man, Boaz, we see Jesus. He's a picture of Christ in this story. And what we're we're drawing to here is the rest that Boaz will provide. Ruth points to the rest that Jesus offers you and offers me. Because ultimate rest comes from God and God alone. Psalm 62, I read it with the the kids. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. So as we close, if, if God offers true rest, then there has to be a place of rest. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And then let us strive or labor therefore to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. That there is a rest in God that's available to those that place their trust in the Lord Jesus It's a promised rest. Jesus, the one who is our Redeemer, promised that rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. You probably know it well. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there's a place of rest. There's a promise of rest. And we find that we enter into that rest through faith in Christ. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So the message, the good news of rest has come, but what it requires is faith in the Redeemer. And we enjoy some aspects of that rest here on earth, that assurance of salvation. But ultimately, we wait until a day that is coming when we will enjoy the fullness of God's rest. When all things will be made new. Rest will be perfect. There will be no more sleepless nights. And as in Romans, Paul writes, Romans 8.23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves who, gave the first fruit, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Holy Spirit as a 
down payment of something greater that is to come. Adoption as sons, the redemption of our souls for salvation and ultimately full and complete redemption. All things made new, eternity in God's presence in heaven, ultimate rest. So let me just ask you a couple of questions. First of all, have you laid yourself at the feet of Jesus? Have you asked him to be your redeemer? Have you asked him to cover you and to save you? Have you abandoned yourself to him for all that he has for you? Knowing that he has your best interest in mind and knowing that what he has for you is good. So have you laid yourself there? And then if you have, if you could say without a doubt I'm saved and I'm, I'm covered, then do you live a life, do I live a life that, that displays or shows the generous love that points to him? Am I living a life like these folks like Ruth and Boaz and Naomi that shows the loving kindness of the Lord that ultimately people can look and say, that, that guy's different. He's been with Jesus. And are you working? Are you being made little by little over time into his image? Is he transforming you little by little for your good and for his glory? I want to close with just some lyrics from a song. It's a children's song. Resting in Jesus, I'm resting in him. Putting my faith in his word. Trusting, obeying my heavenly friend, resting in Jesus, my Lord. When I'm weary, you refresh me. When I'm worried, you relieve me. When I'm wandering, you restore my soul. When I'm tested, you empower me. When mistreated, you protect me. When I'm tempted, you provide for my soul. Resting in Jesus, I'm resting in him, putting my faith in his word. Trusting, obeying my heavenly friend, resting in in Jesus, my Lord, we enter God's rest only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, as we come to the close of our time, we ask that you would give us the boldness, the humility, and the faith to daily lay ourselves at your feet. That we would take you at your word to cast our cares on you. Lord, that we would allow you, that when we are weary and heavy laden, to give us the rest, knowing that your yoke and your burden are easy. Knowing that you paid the price for our redemption, that you paid the price for our our sanctification, the cleaning up of our lives to make us more and more like you. And as we look at this ancient story between a man and a woman, as we look to this man Boaz and his honor that he shows, the worthiness that he has and the willingness that he shows, help us to see a picture of you. To see that you are worthy above all others. That you are willing and what you desire to do.
and that you are our Savior, that you're our protector, that you're our Redeemer. And Lord, this morning as we sing, whether if it's for the first time, for the hundredth time, or even more, Lord, help us to lay ourselves at your feet. Allow you to minister to us and that we would find comfort and rest in the provision and the protection that you alone provide. And we ask that in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.